0: kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply hey it's your host krista makes do you know that i write custom songs that's right i'd love to write you that special someone co-worker friend or foe their very own custom song makes a great gift for birthdays anniversaries holidays and more for more info email me at krista at gmail.com now let's get into this awesome episode Hey, metalheads, ghosts, goblins, vampires, werewolves, and ghouls. We got some death coming your way. Today's guests are drummer Donald Tardy and his brother, lead vocalist John Tardy of the Tampa, Florida death metal band, Obituary. It was cool to catch up with the brothers. A ton of laughs were had. Together, they took me through the writing, recording, and release of the Obituary classic, Slowly We Rot, taken from their 1989 album of the same name. I learned how legendary death metal producer Scott Burns went from operating the studio gear as a second engineer to winding up in the producer's chair for the sessions of the album. Scott's first major break. I found researching the lyrics online to be more painstaking for this episode than any other I've done here on Krista Makes a Podcast. Why, you ask? Well, let's just say that John had a very interesting way of going about the lyrics on Slowly We Rot, something I've never heard of before in almost 30 years in the music business. These guys are lifers, still out there, night after night, absolutely killing it pun intended. For all this and a whole lot more, grab your pitchforks and Flying V guitars. This is a good one. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Donald, John, what's going on? <laughs> what's up, brother? Not too much. I, uh, you know, I got to thinking about obituary. The one word that keeps coming to mind with me, and I, I just, it's hard to say, I've known you forever, you're my friends. It's hard to talk to your friends in this terminology, because it's weird in a sense, but you guys are like one of the... Uh, most influential death metal bands. It's just, it's crazy. I remember when I met Donald when he was out with Andrew WK playing drums on the Warp tour in '03. I didn't know that you know M- some of Ovitchberry was the the backing band for for Andrew. And I was just, I was starstruck. I remember meeting you like a barbecue one night, and like, I I remember thinking the next day, does Does he think like I was like taking the piss out of him or something? Like this punk band likes my band, but like I grew up with you guys, you know, and uh, got to be friends with you. And it's it's an honor to to have you on on my podcast.
2: Right on, man. You know, we don't try too hard when it comes to back to what your first comment was. Is uh, we did not try very hard as a band to become the influential band of death metal or Florida death metal, but um, we proudly do what we do and uh, and uh,
0: we we dig what we do. Well, absolutely, and uh, I have so much respect for you guys because you're cut from the same cloth as as a band such as myself and many others. We're we're working class bands. We go out, we bring the show, we're we're, we're door-to-door salesmen, we bring our show town-to-town, and that's what you guys have been doing now for over 30 years, and it's just, it's impressive. For the listeners, I want to give a little uh, backstory on the band right now. You guys formed in Tampa in 1984, you You're originally called Executioner, but changed the band name to Obituary in 1988. Uh, As we've said, you guys are a fundamental act in the development of of death metal music. Uh, You've released 10 studio albums. John and Donald are original members, along with Trevor Paris, and... You know, in my notes here, I, I, I was trying to think, I want to say it was 1990. Do you guys recall playing Janice with Morbid Angel? I swear that was the bill. <laughs> Does
1: that sound about right? Yes, we do. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. You guys were just, to me, and it was. it's interesting the thrash metal death metal guys hated the glam posers and so did the punks but the punks in in the in the death metal guys always kind of got along you know it was kind of like an, <laughs> an, an understanding there of like okay we don't like all the, all, all of them and a lot of the the, the beats and everything and uh s- some of the musicianship of course you had bands like dri and chromags that was called crossover you know it was the punks and the and this stuff aligning it was just a really really ex- exciting time the song we're going to talk about today slowly we rot is from the album of the same title uh it's your day debut that was released on June 14th, 1989, uh, considered to be one of, of the band's heaviest efforts despite being recorded in standard E tuning, which is crazy because I didn't even think about that until I started listening to this track. It's like, this is 89 before Pro Tools, before all the recording trickery you can do and uh, standard E tuning. This, this is heavy as hell. You know the remainder of of, of your output was, uh, I believe, in detuning, maybe even e- even lower tuning. Um, the record was produced by the legendary Scott Burns. Uh, Scott was crucial to the emergence of the Florida death metal scene. Uh, aside from Obituary, he produced albums for Death, Deicide, Cannibal Corpse, Sepultura, Cynic, and Atheist. Uh, his last album he ever did was 2005's "Frozen in Time" by Obituary, uh, which which is which is crazy. I guess uh, uh, Scott's doing computer programming now. Uh, the second Obituary record, "Cause of Death," released in September of nine often considered to be one of the most important death metal albums of all time. Your third record, End Complete, sold more than 100,000 copies. Uh, it was your first album to chart in the US and Europe. Uh, the video for End Complete received a uh, significant airplay on the Headbangers Ball, which was like my favorite show in the world back then. <laughs> on the fourth record, World Demise, uh, you guys toured with such bands as Napalm Death and then the unknown Machine Head at the time. And after the release of your fifth record Back from the Dead 97, you guys disbanded for a while. And like I said, in 03, that's when I met Donald out on the road and we just hit it off, you know. We're we're both from Florida, had a ton in common, uh, and it wasn't too long after that you guys reformed uh, and did the Frozen in Time record in 2005. I was living in Ebor City outside of Tampa at that point, uh, not too far from you guys, and, and I remember coming over to Redneck Studios, uh, built right in your backyard, and I kind of saw it. Oh, I kind of yeah. saw it from the ground up. Donald was was learning Pro Tools, then as as was I.
2: It's funny how long ago that was. it's hard to believe how you know how quickly 20 years goes but um yeah learning pro tools that was when pro tools was new and uh we were finally at that point where we said we keep going to a studio more sound and we keep going there and spending the money on on the budget for the album when it it seems like we're going to make this move into this pro tools rig and we did it and um so, yeah, that's right. When, like you said, when you were coming and we were just learning Pro Tools and going, oh, my God, what am I getting myself into? You
0: know? <laughs> and what's really crazy to think when you were talking about the, the time that's passed is in 2005, 15 years prior, I had seen you in 1990. That seemed like it was 80 years before, you know, and now <laughs> it's only been another 15 years, 16 years now since 05 that we're sitting here talking now. It's like, where the, where the heck did the time go? It, it's crazy. You guys released your ninth record, Inked and in Blood, in 2014. It was the first obituary album uh, not to be recorded with longtime bassist Frank Watkins, uh, whom we lost in 2015. So rest in peace to, to Frank. Um, the band self funded the record and. Uh, in November and December of 2018, you guys toured Europe. When I found out about this, I I had envy. Okay, it wasn't jealousy, but it was envy. I was like, "Holy crap!" You guys uh, toured as part of Slayer's farewell tour along with Lamb and God and Anthrax. And I haven't had a chance to talk to you guys about that. how was that?
1: As you can imagine, it uh, it was a dream come true. You know, it's been on a bucket list of ours for a long time to yeah. tour uh, with Slayer. You know, we played a couple festivals here and there, but to to go do an entire tour with them, uh, it was. I mean every night we would sit out front beer in our hands just like we walked into the arena to watch Slayer and it was just every single night it was great and it just it was awesome.
0: Totally I was awesome. so excited when I saw I'm like you know especially for Europe which you guys have always done great over there but I was just like yes this is the perfect band and I there there could have been a, a lot of bands that got that slot but I'm 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 so grateful that, that you guys did that's that's really cool. And I guess you guys are working uh, on a monster of a new album. That's what uh, that's what I read anyways. Uh, that's going to be released in uh, 2022 with a tour to follow. And uh, the tour, I don't know if this is the one you're speaking of, but is that with Black Label Society and, and Prong?
2: Yeah, it is. That's the one that when this pandemic went down in March 2020, uh, we were halfway through it, way up in like Detroit, up Michigan, and uh, like all of us that were on tour at the time. the Tour got canceled. We got sent home. And there were still 13 dates left on that tour. So now we've waited a year and a half. Thank the Lord, we are ready to get back out on the road. And so yeah, the new dates, the the tour is October, November with Black Label Society. So yeah, we're ready to get this thing fired back up.
0: And three heavy bands, but three distinctly different bands.
1: How were you guys received?
0: How was the package as a whole?
1: It's exactly why we're just so happy they called us back um, because we were having such a good time on that tour. Zach's awesome to watch every night. I mean, he's the other guy too. You can go out there every night, just being all over him on stage. Sure. Is, is that cool? But from from the whole band and the whole crew, uh, we were having such a good time and getting such a good response from the Black Label fans. Which you know them; they're they're diehard kids that show up to sure. see Zach. That's for sure. But man, we were just having such a good reaction from the fans that we were just really keeping our fingers crossed that if he ever does some more shows, he'd call us back. So uh, we're really happy that he did and, and get to go ahead and and I do some more shows.
0: That's awesome. Well, I know the fans are going to be excited for new obituary music. Uh, your your last record was a self-titled album uh, in 2017, your 10th record. So uh, yeah, I, again, I know they'll uh, they'll be excited for that. And one last thing, before we dive into the song and start uh, start dissecting this, I think dissecting is the perfect word for a, for a death metal band. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit, and, and my producer Chris was really, he, Chris is a cat lover. Uh, I guess Donald started a cat sanctuary organization. Called Metal Miaolisha, <laughs> an organization practicing trap, neuter, vaccinate, and return, and caring for 25 cat colonies of over 200 cats. What is this all about? I, this is news to me.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not a sanctuary. It's simply that in my neighborhood, 15 years ago, just like everybody, you're just like, man, I see this cat, or you know, this cat just had kittens in the in the bushes. This cat, I'm seeing cats getting run over. I see so many homeless that whatever. I just I figured out. Um, through the Humane Society's program. Yeah, just how I can help my community. And it started it in my backyard. You know, a feral cat kept coming through. I trapped him, got him spay neutered, released him right where I trapped him. So he lives his life and he can't keep having babies. She can't keep having babies and they get their rabies vaccinations. and uh, And we just do that throughout our community.
0: That's awesome, man.
2: Yeah, and then I got a big heart, so we have, yeah, 25 locations that the cats live, you know, behind a bowling alley, behind a Taco Bell, blah, 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 that uh, we just provide fresh water and food for every night.
0: You are a saint among saints. That's awesome, Donald. (laughs) Right on. Very, very cool. Well, uh, slowly we rot. I want you guys to take me back a little bit here. Uh, June 14th, 89, it's before, uh, (laughs) before the internet, okay? My band started before the internet, too, but it's like... I almost try to think back like when we got signed, like our first records, like it was tape trading, it was zines, it was mail order, it was going to Aces Records in Tampa or, you know, going to the places where you bought all your music and like thumbing through the records or talking. to Usually it was the store clerk. They were the ones with the wealth of information. But how the hell, aside from being talented, how the hell did you guys get signed to Roadrunner on your first record? How did that transpire? What it was is um, we had two, two songs.
2: That were released on a um compilation album called raging death yes yep. and that was with borivore yeah and it was on godly records i believe Yeah, and that was before we were signed we were still called executioner on that same release was was *Sadus*, deicide everyone had two songs on it so it was a compilation um vinyl and um there, there's your answer we uh, we had we we were a part of that roadrunner records Saw it, heard us and approached us. And that's that's how we got signed in the first place as a band. And that was that was probably 1986.
1: I think that we actually put that thing out. And it was probably the photo shoot with me and my gym shorts that
0: did it, though. <laughs> that's what sold yeah. them. Like We got it. We got to sign up this band. <laughs>
1: Them. it was those gym shorts and those socks with the color stripes on that was it I it in
0: there. well, you know, we all had some goofy looks back in the day, but some 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 of the thrash death metal bands it's pretty pretty hilarious, especially like anthrax going through their jams phase, you know
2: yeah and hell what do you what do you mean back in the day? Our look nowadays has not changed
0: I wasn't gonna say that you had to out yourself there, Donald. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. but uh, what was that like? I mean being. I mean Tampa's the place especially back then it was the it, you know I've heard it called the death metal capital of the world how integral was that to you guys cuz I it was easy to play shows it you know I know that there was competition is always amongst bands it can be a healthy competition but it seems like it was kind of uh there was some solidarity within within the scene like you you guys would play with like as i said morbid angel and all the other bands that were that were from the area what was that like back then to 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 launch your band in tampa
2: yeah i it was killer i don't think we i don't think we had a contrast we didn't know what to compare it to like again before the internet before you knew i was at that time literally i was a 16 year old kid so we were we were writing music, going crazy, you know, playing cover tunes. We realized our friends are enjoying our our tunes more than the Slayer song we're trying to play. So, but we didn't really think much about what was what's going on in the world and what West Coast and who's going on in California. We were going for it, and it it was pretty amazing and and so coincidental and strange that those bands were all right here in Tampa, us, Deicide, and Morbid Angel and malevolent creation and just so many bands from really really early on that how it came from central florida i don't even know besides simply saying it was coincidence there's no rhyme or reason to it but it's amazing that those were the three core bands that really kind of put it. and of course uh, in, in orlando chuck schuldiner and and uh, and, and death obviously sure. that was the beginning of that's the godfather of, of really taking shit seriously and when we heard that we we're like oh my god you got to either become better as a band or you're going to get left in the dust. So, the good, co- the friendly competition and the friendly whatever you call it also put the flame under your ass to where you you took that shit serious here in, in Tampa, where you're going to get laughed at, you know?
0: Yeah. I think all the heat and the old people might have all got you guys angry too and fired up.
1: <laughs> it was also interesting, man. I, I remember we used to have so much fun just getting off the bus, going to our garage at my mom's house and jamming. And we had more fun in there than doing anything else. We never really thought about doing recordings, we never thought about being a Boring band uh, I don't know, I mean, maybe these guys were thinking about it, but it just seems like it was just such, it was so far out of our thoughts at the time. We were just so content with being in that garage and literally even recording on a tape deck with play and record. And we just sit and listen to that, just have such a good time with that. That I don't even remember. I think we just one of us had the idea of, hey, let's put the vinyl together. And we did a little 40, it was a 33 and a half, but yeah, you know, like a 45 record. And that was really the only thing that we ever did as far as trying to put demo tapes out or anything like that. That was really the only thing we did. But it was just so cool. And we were so content having that and just being in our own little world there that uh, just to, to be doing it to this day is, is pretty crazy.
0: Well, if, if the listeners can can hear how giddy I am in my voice and why, why is Chris so excited to talk to a death metal band? I, I'm a metalhead you know I, if I could have played guitar better I would have been in, in a thrash band or, or, or death metal band uh but but punk rock was only three chords and I I, I learned the patterns pretty good I I got, I got I got my way around it but uh I mean hell less than Jake one of our most famous songs is all my best friends are metalheads and uh I was so into metal as I said I saw you guys and and it was the, the scene was 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 interspersed it was intertwined at that point like I said the punks were kind of hanging not all not all the punks and all the not all the, the the death metal guys to thrash guys but a lot of us were and it was just kind of all one great scene. And and uh, if you if you were from Tampa uh, at that time back in the day, you know, if you were there, you know, it was it was magic. Uh, Slowly We Rot is three minutes and 36 seconds. Uh, it starts off with uh, five seconds. The first five seconds are this guitar fades in and uh, the right speaker. And uh, at six seconds, you get the first drum and cymbal hit. At 13 seconds, the drums kick in with this slow, sludgy dirge, this groove that Donald's doing. It's just just killer. Uh, And it almost sounds like a very buried uh, scream here, too, as the drums kick in. Is that a scream or is that some kind of pre-delay echo i'm hearing there
2: jesus to, to to break it down to get an answer out <laughs> of us we're actually going to listen to you more than <laughs> I mean, i'm sitting
1: here taking notes myself
0: <laughs> you know i gotta i gotta remember you know yeah. we as musicians i've said this before we don't sit around and listen to our own music shit you guys probably haven't listened to this in 30 years yeah well, except I for playing it people, live of course
1: i swear i think people do think you sit around and listen to your own records all day long because they uh they just they just assume, you know, every song right the way it was. You can sit down and play it right now. And, you know, Lord knows the some of the live streams we did. We had to go back and learn these things. It was uh, it was humorous.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I, I've i done that, too. I've also done it. Probably you, you learn a song in the studio. And you have to go recreate it live. It's like, how did I do that? How did I play that? so at the uh we're gonna go with it was a it was a scream that's buried there uh <laughs> at uh, <laughs> and this is all what i'm calling an intro of the song at this point at the 27 second mark there's a single almost like church bell that chimes pretty loud it's the only time it happens in the song idea was that was that was that scott burns or something you guys <laughs> thought of
2: it was either me or john there's sure. a lot of you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know again kid it's like kids in fact it's not just the bell it's like you know this is the first time we're making a producer do his job because you know here we are with a thousand ideas and we're thinking a thousand miles an hour and i think if you break that thing down it it's actually backwards reverb that comes on the toms before the bell dong so that's one of the band members probably myself or my brother saying it with our mouths saying dude i wanted to go dong and, and and then scott had to figure it out you know
0: yeah. i love how we talk as musicians dong, and we yeah, understand yeah. each other <laughs> exactly. you know I'm, I'm trying to convey this to so people Don't know what the hell we're talking about yep. uh what was that like for you guys i mean this guy right. at the time i mean scott burns was just legendary he was godlike well that's what's cool is he at he was super,
2: super duper young and new and new at it at this time as well, because people don't know this. But we started that record with an engineer named Rick Miller. Rick was an uh, engineer at Morrisound Sound Recordings. Rick's parents, one of his parents had had medical issues. So he had to tap out at that time. Scott was one of those dudes that was in the studio as the. Um, as empty as, in trash cans. Yeah, emptying trash cans. <laughs> this is funny. Sweeping up the floors. Pat, you know those big boards back then. All the patching you had to do when you want. Sure. Hey, you want a little delay on that? Well, hang on. So you got to patch it from one thirty from Channel Twenty here. Blah blah blah. Scott was that guy. He was helping Rick Miller as as just a helper. And when Rick said, "Man, I don't know what to do. I got to go," we just said. How about Scott? And Scott goes, what? Yeah. "What? There was
1: no way Jim or Tom was going to work with us at the time."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so 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 from the patch bay to the hot seat—that's a that's a pretty yeah. big jump.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's
2: what that was Scott's first take on being an engineer as well. So so let's get back to dissecting this silly part of the song. Again, we're talking long before digital. This is all analog. This is real to real, and people don't know this. Slowly We Rot. The album was recorded on eight tracks. This is not a 24-track studio at the time, so we had to do six drums. We had to do six microphones on my drum kit. When I got the song right, we bounced it down stereo. Then you have then you have your uh, six tracks open. Then they did guitars. When they were happy with that, they bounced that. So people don't realize this, and I almost it, I find it hard to believe that it was that way back in '87 or '88 when we were recording it. But this is how we recorded. Slowly We Rot.
0: That's unreal and and for the crazy? listeners real for, for the listeners real quick what Donald's talking about when you did those bounce downs from the drums you only had eight tracks when you did the bounce you had to make sure that the levels were right the exactly. tom had to be the right the right volume because there was no going back after that point
2: That's right so right. not only did you not only did I have to make sure hey I'm happy with my drum fill and my performance on that song you had to make sure the kick drum and snare drum volumes and the toms and the cymbals the mix was what you wanted cuz the minute that he bounces it down it's done Done deal. Yeah. So now you have now you have a, a a master volume for the drum kit, but that is it's a done deal. Now the guitar players are going to have to do their parts, and then we bounce them on top of each other, so John can have two channels, so he can do his shit. That's it's hard for me and John to even. <laughs> conceived that it was so long ago but yeah. that really is how morris sound recordings was back in 1987.
0: that's incredible and you know i i kind of uh gave scott a little too much credit for the time period you know it wasn't until later that uh he was you know you guys pretty pretty much with your record put him on the map you were one of the first so he was we were uh, the
2: first yeah scott was yeah. our first project this was still at the
1: old morris sound too for some of that yep
0: yeah yeah that's 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 incredible i I, uh, I got the chance to do overdubs. Uh, there was some backing vocals that we missed in California, and I was living in Tampa at the time. It was around 05, Donald. I got to go, and, and uh, I go in the studio, and it was Tom Morris. He answered the door, and I'm like, I was just awestruck, you know, <laughs> and got in there and, and just uh, was able to do some vocals. I had never been in there before, and so many legendary records I grew up on. Awesome. It, was, it, was in- it was incredible. So we, at the 42nd mark, we get into the first vocal, and the vocals sound straight out of hell here, John. They They do. I, I've, I've I've said a couple of times on this show a couple of guys that can scream and it, it, yours is beyond a scream. It's this guttural bellow that you do.
3: Kill, oh, so, I have
0: scream envy i could i could try to emulate it could never do it that's why i always laugh when people are like oh it's just a bunch of noise like you try it <laughs> you try to make that sound come out of your mouth and uh we'll see how we'll see how you fare well, um, honest,
1: try and do it for 19 days in a row in a concert, <laughs> you know, an hour a night
0: <laughs> yeah not not easy hey everybody
3: don't you dare go anywhere there's lots more Chris to makes the podcast after these messages from our sponsors Each week on the One Hit Thunder podcast, we welcome a special guest to come take a deep dive into a One Hit Wonder artist with us. And together, we decide if that artist brought the One Hit Thunder or was nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. You can find One Hit Thunder anywhere that you listen to podcasts.
0: So hit that subscribe button and join in on the fun each week. Looking to elevate your music career? DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with the Spotify Canvas Generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia with its simple interface and customizable mastering options Artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com. Slash VIP Slash Demakes. That's distrokid.com Slash VIP Slash Demakes. And now back to the show. When the vocals come in here it sounds like there's like uh more of a delay and pre-delay on the vocal in the left speaker but it's also swirling to the right it's just a just evil sounding uh uh thing that that's going on there and i'm i'm sure that was uh uh to, had to do with scott in, in the mix
1: yeah those are symbols i think we took symbols that rang out and flipped them on the to them spun them in, brought them in backwards yeah so again As, uh, let's let's break it down for the
2: listeners again, yeah back to analog we did, you know, just like how we were just talking about we wanted some crazy backwards feeling thing before the tom and the bell. So same thing with John. When when he's coming into that first line, that first word of his verse, he wanted us a backward sounding. Oh, and we yeah. So what we had to do was to we had to take symbols and probably hit one symbol or John said something with some reverb on it. record it you got to flip the tape you literally got to take the reel to reels those those two to reels off the fucking machine flip them over backwards (laughs) and then make it go and it sounds all weird but then you have to put it on top it's pretty incredible when you think analog all the shit that went down to make one simple band member happy hey man i want a backwards (laughs) reverb thing
0: Yeah, this is going to take an hour and a half. Thanks a lot.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. That's why we spent so much money in the studio.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and now now, now it's a push of a button in Pro Tools. It's incredible, right? It is incredible. Uh, Yeah, I had written here, uh, there's a cool backwards uh, symbol that starts uh, right before verse one's panned off to the right speaker, comes in. And, you know, I I wasn't going to say this, but I kind of have to. Uh, I called Donald last night. (laughs) It was late and I said, man, you know, I've obviously heard Slowly Be Rot. It's been it's been a minute since I actually you know dissected the track and really got into it. But I've heard the song and there's just these lyrics online and they're all seem to be wrong. And I printed out the ones that I thought and Donald enlightened me and said, <laughs> well, back in the day, John would just get up there and, and stream of consciousness, just like sing what he was feeling. There was no lyrics. And like... I, I woke up this morning, Donald. The first thing I thought of was what you said. I'm like, was he pulling my leg? He wasn't. He was dead serious. Like, like were there other bands doing that? I mean, there's some death metal bands. Their vocals are indiscernible. You can't, you know, some of the Cannibal Corpse stuff. You can't understand anything they're saying. But like, I feel like I can understand some of this And the lyrics that I pulled. They're 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 kind of in the ballpark. But was this all just off the top of your head for real?
1: Yeah, it was it was super strange. I don't even know if I can explain it really. There was just so many times back in the day that it was just. I just didn't feel it necessary to come up with some specific word. It was more the specific sound that I was looking for, if you will. I have no idea why I started doing it that way, but back then there was so many of those lyrics are just, there's not even words they're just made up sounds more than they are words that come together to to mean anything
0: well it's interesting and i guess this makes total sense now that this was scott's first production scott burns was more interested in figuring out okay i got to make the drums i got to pan all this stuff over put it down to one track he's probably wasn't concerned with the lyrics as any producer now would be like Where's the lyrics? I want the lyrics in front of me. We're going to cut the vocals. What are you saying? So I think this is the last thing on Scott's mind. Is that a fair assessment?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it was totally weird. It was totally weird, but they, and I don't remember ever talking about it back when we were doing it. Nobody ever asked or questioned me. Um, I don't know. Maybe they just couldn't understand half of what I was saying anyway. So they just, maybe they didn't even ask to,
0: Did that continue, John, with Cause of Death in in the the subsequent records, or was this just the first record thing?
1: I mean, Cause of Death, probably not very much. I mean, ever since, slowly especially, I mean, through the years, I've been writing more and more. You know, now today there's full lyric sheets or, you know, you're certainly not going to get a video played on anything without turning over the lyrics to them. You know, they have to know what you're saying just to, you know, so you're not saying something crazy, I guess. But. So and
0: I looked online. I couldn't find it. and I wish I had a copy of the original record and I don't anymore. But was there's no this... lyrics on
1: any of our records.
0: OK, OK. I was going to say there could have been lyrics then for what you're saying on the record. There, but
1: there's actually no lyrics on any of our albums.
0: I'm going to read what I found online because <laughs> I always go through the lyrics line by line here. And the and this is now what I'm calling an intro with vocals. You have the instrumental intro. Now the intro with vocals kill all fight death lesions like a a skin lesion lesions fighting love
1: (laughs) that is wow that was horrible
0: and i'm like what the hell does that mean and it doesn't mean anything because it's not what john was saying
1: no well there was no lesions no love in there no (laughs) well
2: what's also what's funny is just people online doing their best to say i think i know what he's saying i'm gonna write it down and then they they publish it it's hilarious
0: and you got to get a kick out. You guys are in, you know, playing a huge festival in Milan, Italy. And there's people, you know, that don't speak a lick of English, singing these words back to you. that yeah. They don't know what they're saying either. And, and at that point, actually, they have more in common with John than someone that thinks that, that speaks English. So that, that's yeah, exactly. perfect. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you, I love this song, just death metal in general. And uh, and that's what attracted me to death metal. And even even punk music, the early stuff was there's no rules on song structure or arrangement at all.
1: there's there's not there's
0: nothing nothing here fits like verse chorus verse chorus solo in fact at the 52 second mark there's this guitar solo from hell uh, by your original guitarist alan west that comes in It's very uh very Carrie King. I'm assuming that was one of his influences. He's got this whammy and it's just I don't know, it's it's evil, evil sounding. And this solo isn't short. Uh <laughs> this solo goes on from the fifty second mark fifty-two second mark to a minute and eighteen seconds. So it's a it's about a uh, almost a thirty second solo.
1: Big Al was awesome with that whammy bar. I mean a lot of that was just I mean, it was him, his own really his own style. I mean, he had a Jackson back in the day. This is old Jackson, one of them. Uh, yeah, V's, one of them V's, not the full V, yeah. whatever you call them things. And man, I just remember he used to just be able to sit there and hold sustain and pull that dive bar and just go lower and lower and lower, and it would just go forever. But I, I really think a lot of that was him just an early age. He just, it's just what he just was born to kind of do. You know, he really was good at it
0: wrote down here uh, it's evil as hell sounding that's all I can say about this so it's great uh, at the minute and 18 uh, seconds uh, mark the drums stop and the guitars just ring out and then at the minute 24 we get what I'm calling verse one and uh, Donald the, the beat switch is there to the the classic uh, fast thrash drum beat you know it's kind of kind of double time yeah and uh, it, it's just kicking kicking your butt here
1: you fight death in the story life. Kill them all. Fight death in the story of life. Fight me. Slowly we run. Slowly we run.
0: Fight them all in a living hell. That sounds like a death metal lyric. That's not too uh, bad. Slow- pretty close Slo- slowly rot and you die. Slowly rot and die. You fight death as you slowly realize. Kill them all. Fight death and slowly read in the love. (laughs) No, you guys definitely weren't singing about love. Okay, we're going to leave that to Lionel Richie. Fight them all. Join me. Slowly we rot. Slowly we rot. I think those two are right.
1: Those are right. (laughs)
2: Fight, fight, Fight them all. Join me. Slowly we rot.
0: So again, you guys are at your mom's place. You're rehearsing you've done this song a bunch you're going in to record it is this what you were singing in the rehearsal room pretty much was it was it starting to become a thing you were you were singing or do you do you recall
1: yeah i mean even to this day i still kind of sing the same stuff and just some of them aren't really they're not words they're just kind of sounds that just come along and just mumble through it you know
0: have you talked to other singers in the genre uh from death metal that that have done that i no. don't
2: know i don't think any <laughs> no. i'll answer that Fuck
3: no, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just silly man
0: it's absolutely <laughs> silly <laughs> i'm not a newbie here i've been doing this for 30 years too i've never heard of somebody doing that especially you guys are on road it's not like you're some demo band you're on roadrunner records cut and roadrunner for all intents and purposes they were a major label you know they were a, a, they a label out used. of europe yeah. st- that started yeah. but yeah they, it was like the greatest place the best place for you guys to be and uh here you are going in and recording something without lyrics. It's incredible. I've never heard of that before. Like I'm in awe. It's funny. It's great. It's all these all these things that are happening in, in my brain right now. It's it's, it's I've never heard of it before. It's different. It's totally weird. i yeah. sure
1: <laughs> to I don't know why it happened. Why it did. I don't know, but can't explain it.
0: It's great. Uh, at the one minute and forty four second mark, uh, we're going into what I call verse two. The riff changes here, and the drums switch to double bass. Ride. You know, for, for panning and doing the things you had to do, Donald, and, and, and the fact that this is uh, pre Pro Tools analog recording, it, it sounds great. The drums sound really good here. I, I had it cranked in headphones last night. I'm listening to it, and it still it still sounds great today. I'm gonna read again through these lyrics. We'll see what John wants to, uh, you know, uh, agree to that they're they're kind of right. Uh, Dead to all, fighting as you slowly read in your love. There it is again. Uh, <laughs> fighting the sword. The sword is your plow, dead to all. <laughs> yeah, none of that rings a bell to me. <laughs> but you know what? I'm reading through these and I'm like, that's what he's saying. It does sound like that. And But then when I got done, I'm like, there's no way he's saying love. It just it doesn't work. No. Um, fighting is your slowly rotting in hell. Fight them all. Join me. Slowly we dwell. Slowly we dwell. Yeah.
1: Slowly we dwell is right. Okay.
0: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so two words in there, right? We're gonna we're gonna say "slowly we rot" in the first verse, and "slowly yeah. we dwell." So that, that's sure. what we got, and and that's the rest of it got. was the rest of it was j- just John vocal riffing in front of the mic. Okay, on the first "slowly we dwell," right there, I love this part because it goes back to the original verse riff. It changes there, and that's cool. At the two minutes and one second mark, there's now three measures of just the band doing that that verse riff again that we just changed to. And then at the two minutes and 10 second mark, there's this killer delay on his vocal. And, and the, <laughs> the word that they, in uh, the lyrics here, and, and I can't imagine why you would say this, but it sounds like you're saying decharge. It's to die.
1: It's to die.
0: It's to die. Yeah. Okay. Yep. To die. To die. All right, I'm gonna go online and change all of those lyric sites <laughs> after we get off here. Um, <laughs> we're in now. What uh, what we're calling the bridge, and that's actually besides a uh, besides a growl and a uh, I think it's a rot later on. That's the that that's the last lyric we're gonna hear yep. uh, at at this two minute and ten second mark till three minutes and thirty six uh, seconds. It's pretty much uh, some of the last vocals. Uh, we're now into a guitar solo, and uh, this is over the verse riff. Until two minutes and 34 seconds. So it's a 24 second guitar solo. Again, just evil sounding. think i can speak for uh every teenager my age was into this stuff this kind of solo was just going to piss your parents off (laughs) and the neighbors and everybody else that came in earshot of it
2: it was cool (laughs) yeah and that's big al with that jackson v man he just he could make noise with that thing for sure
0: yeah it's ripping from the two minute and 34 second mark to the two minute and 44 second mark uh the verse two riff comes back it's played by itself with just sporadic drum bass and guitar hits dun 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 (laughs) dun and that's as the band uh, continues to play at 244, uh, this growl happens, okay? And are you saying anything there? Or is there just this guttural that's just, growl? That's just noise. Just noise, just okay. Just noise. Which I always kind of looked at the death metal with, with the vocals as almost another percussive instrument at times.
1: It's really kind of how I looked at it back in the day. I'd really just, you know, made up with Trevor's sound. Uh, his amp is always in my ear right there, and it's really just kind of where I you know over the years I've just kind of fall right in tune and right in sound with his just his his sound is just so Trevor you know and it's always right in my ear and that's what well, I always just kind of sync up to
0: after that uh, that growl that uh, John does there's four measures of the verse two riff so you get four measures of that full band and then at two minutes and 54 seconds the guitar riff changes yet again as the drums switch to the double bass Then at the three minute and nine second mark, the drums go to double time until three minutes and 22 seconds. And this is what I'm now calling the outro of the song. The last vocal of the song here, sound. it sounds like you're saying rot. Is that what you're saying?
1: That's it. Yep.
0: I got one right.
1: You got it right. All right.
0: My arms are in the air. I am victorious. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. I got up the phone last night and I called Chris, uh, <laughs> our, our producer, uh, Donald, and I'm like, you're not gonna believe this. He's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I to- told told him the story, but it's it's that's awesome, John, that you that you did that. And that's <laughs> awesome that Scott Burns was just along for the ride. And it and it's even more amazing that that there's legions of fans. You know, I don't just listen to the original song. I go and watch live videos. I want to hear if he did it in different key, if you add extended solos, if things are different. You know, we like to change things live sometimes. Uh and I saw a, I wanna say it was maybe Dynamo Festival or something from 2017 you guys played. Slowly We Rot, and there's just 20,000 people fists in the air you know going crazy on a song that uh, you just kind of were making up in front of the mic that's incredible
1: did it sound the same <laughs> it did <laughs> It did. You you fooled me. Well, I swear, I think even today when we play these songs, it, just, it sounds the same to me. I don't
0: know. I think I'm pretty good at this, and you fooled me. Uh, <laughs> after the rot vocal, again, I'm calling this the outro, uh, the drums go back to the classic thrash beat uh, over the guitar riff from verse 1. And... Uh, the back half of verse 2 happens to end the song at 3 minutes and 36 seconds uh, as far as structures go one of the weirdest structures of the song the solos are in odd places um, but it works you mm-hmm. know and looking back on this song you know a lot of stuff that I did my my first two records I, I consider uh, well at least our first records definitely sounds like a demo and the second one was a, a demo that we had money with but we were still learning our instruments it's kind of a odd question but do you still appreciate the original recording? Can you listen to it for what it's worth?
1: You know, to me, it's it's kind of so much like the uh, pictures your mom has hanging up on the wall of you when you were young, and your friends come over and you. I just use that like, example. You're in that weird look. It's just what you look like. It's what we <laughs> sounded like. You know what I mean. So there is no yeah. changing it. There's no erasing it. There's no redoing it. It is what it is, and it was what it was. And uh, totally happy and proud of it the way it was. Yeah. Um. You know, you just always. You know you always think you can do better you know even with the last album we did you always go back and listen to it and yeah. assume you can do better uh you know think you can do better uh, and we certainly have better sounding records i think you know throughout the years but hey you know we were so young at the time we were deer in the headlights in that studio everything was new to us and just love it you know i remember to this day i remember getting that first copy of Soul We rot standing out in front of my house the mailman showed up i opened it up and i can remember to this day where i was standing. Uh, right next to my Forerunner, and uh, open that, that vinyl up and, and, and had it in my hands. And it was awesome.
0: What a feeling, right? Yeah, I, I, remember, awesome. I remember, I remember doing that for the first time, but it's just yep. disbelief. It's like, this is real. And going back to that time period again, it, it seems like, I mean, I know you guys had put, you've been playing since 84. You'd played uh, tons of shows together. You know, you guys as brothers were always together and, and playing and, and rehearsing at your mom's place. But what was this like? Now getting on Roadrunner. I mean, I'm I'm looking at your touring history. I'm pulling it up uh, yesterday, and you know, by 1990, you were already in Europe. I mean, that's incredible.
1: Yeah, we never even toured until we, we the first tour was in Europe. Actually,
0: no kidding. Nope. Yep. What was that like? I mean, here you are again, pre-internet. You couldn't just type in fashions in Germany and see what people were wearing. I mean, it had to be just like a culture shock, right? Yeah, uh, it was
1: insane. And you're also talking about band. We didn't play out a lot. We did not play a lot of shows. Yeah, we played a little bit here at the Sunset, this and that. We did not do a whole lot. So for us to show up at that first, I remember one one of our guys that we took with us, Irv, he was like, Dude, I ain't never been out of Florida. <laughs> you know? And he's like, you know, uh, and here we are. We're stomping through Europe on a grueling, grueling tour uh, with the Demolition Hammer guys that, you know, we're still friends with to this day. It, just an unbelievable experience, you know, of a lifetime. And you know, I remember a
0: lot of it. So. And now the record's out and you're looking out. Do you remember you're in Europe? Do you remember looking out and there's people singing the wrong lyrics back to you? <laughs>
2: So we, we, me and John are now back thirty years ago. We're discussing what came first and and what year nineteen ninety was when we went to Europe. But but James Murphy was already in the band. Okay. Murphy was also on the Sacred Rite U.S. tour as well. He was on both those.
0: And for the listeners, J- James played with Death, correct? James played yep. with Death. Yep. And then he went on. He went on to play with Testament in the nineties. I know that. Yep. And yeah, OK,
2: and, 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 and a thousand other bands,
0: I guess. Yeah. Kill, kind of killer for, guitarist.
2: Yeah, for a lot. But but it's just it's kind of you could see me and John or you can hear that me and John are actually having to discuss this amongst the, the two of us because it's kind of racking our brain because Alan West, our original guitar player with with Trevor. Alan was there for all those early shows here in Tampa and playing Sunset Club and playing Janice Landing. And that was all Alan West when we got signed to Roadrunner, Alan was still on slowly we rot. But when we actually had to get our passports, and we were going to be a band um, to go on tour to support it by then it was 1990. And we had already recorded cause of death. So there were two albums on this for us because James was a part of cause of death. And we got on an airplane all together with passports as 20 year olds, and we we flew to Europe for our first tour. So Again, it goes to show how old we
1: are. Yeah, well, and that was what you know. Big Al kind of just went MIA at the time, and Scott Burns was the. We needed some solos done on Cause of Death, and and that's where Scott Burns once again, you know, he's the guy that was like, "Hey, I know this guy that's shredding leads if you want, you know," and called up James Murphy, and that's that's kind of why those solos are on there. Yeah, Scott so Burns.
2: so Slowly We Rot album, and that release did not get any touring besides us as a young band doing stuff here in America, mainly in Florida. We flew with Big Al to the first Milwaukee Metal Fest in 1989. I think that was.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: we weren't like John said, we weren't touring a lot or playing that much, that many shows for Slowly We Rock. It was it was when we in 1990 when we realized that we were going to record the second album that that we were we then started thinking of touring, and mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that that is that is an eye opener even for the two of us. it's <laughs> bringing back memories.
0: <laughs> well, you know, you, you again, I, I said it at the top. You guys are lifers. You're an amazing band. You're you're one of the best uh, in the scene. That's why you're still doing it. But uh in, in closing, one last thing. What's it like to, to still be doing it all these years later? I know what it's like for me, but what what's it like to get out there? You're you're going to Europe and there's 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 people with Heck, probably a third of your age at this point, I can speak for myself there, singing these songs back to you. It's pretty
1: cool. I mean, because no, not only do you have your fans, I remember you guys back from, you know, 1990, uh, <laughs> but they're there with their kids, you know, and their kids, I yeah. bet wear gear on. And they're sending us pictures all the time through the fans' email, you know, and they're always, you know, sending us pictures of their kids and stuff. Uh, yeah. And I think it's cool. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm okay with, you know, getting older and still doing what we're doing and we're having fun. So it's great to see a new generation of fans growing up and getting into it.
2: Yeah, there's nothing more exciting for me than to uh, show up to the studio and play my drums. I've been that way since I was about 14 years old. I am 51 years old and there's nothing more exciting than walking in the studio, seeing my drum set and being able to play it every day. And then like what you brought up, Chris, what is it like that playing a live show, getting on the bus and going and getting ready to tour again? It's all I know. It's all I do well.
0: <laughs> I I feel you on that one. Well, uh, I want to thank you guys for, for sitting in. It was great just as my friends to be able to see. I hadn't uh, yeah, seen you no face to face to face in a minute. But uh, uh, what would you like to leave the listeners with? I know you're talking about that new record. You got this uh, Black Label Tour uh, uh, gearing up again. Uh, anything else in the obituary world?
2: Yeah, you know, music scene, as we all know, fans know as well because they didn't get to see their favorite bands. But just like you and, and us, we've been handcuffed for going on a year and a half now um, sitting home. So we we could not be more excited to realize that the engine's gonna get fired back up and we're actually gonna get to go do what we need to do and, and we do well and what we do for a living. So we're super stoked. Like you said, we 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 are actually recording right now. I got seven songs down. I got three more songs to go on the new album. So we are right in the middle of of recording this thing, and they are coming out killer. And uh and we're ready. We're ready for the future, and we're gonna stay super busy. And we hope fans that uh have been waiting for us come see us and more importantly some of the fans that might be listening that are that are your fans that knowing that you're telling them your friends are obituary come check it out hopefully they come check us out because live is what we feel we do well albums are one thing but we are super comfortable on stage knowing that we throw down pretty well
0: right on well thanks so much guys right Appreciate on Chris.
2: Thank you. Man. good scene and I, I can't wait to see
3: you in in person dude
0: Hey, everybody, don't touch that dial. There's plenty more
3: Krista Makes a Podcast after a few words from our sponsors.
0: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: If you're looking for an inexpensive and unique gift for a friend, family member, or even for yourself, check out iloveenamelpins.com. From Hollywood stars like Jeff Goldblum and Meryl Streep, to fictional characters like the Golden Girls or Jack Torrance, to sports stars and musicians and politicians and dogs and cats, there's something for everyone at iloveenamelpins.com. As an added bonus, use the discount code CHRISTAMAKES at checkout to save 30% off your order at iloveenamelpins.com.
0: As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is submit your song via MP3 only and your bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured band is a living hell from St. Louis, Missouri. In keeping with our October Halloween theme here, they're a horror influenced punk rock band featuring Jason on vocals, Mike on guitar, and Matt on the drums. Here's a snippet of their song Out for Blood.
1: To drink my blood You're out for blood The truth is in the air As I'm fucking dying here I notice something changing inside of me You left me for dead But I'm just a hero. The Rap
0: with Chris and Chris
3: Well, Chris, this is one of those episodes where I wish people could see your face because you were smiling the whole time. (laughs) And yeah, man, you're not kidding. You're a metalhead.
0: And it's cool to see you talk about metal you seem to be very enthusiastic about it well I think you know a lot of times and and I meant to ask them this in the episode like you know what does your relatives and your parents think of this stuff they could see your success you're playing to legions of fans across the world but you know to a lot of people death metal and thrash is is indiscernible noise and, and the bands that do it well it's anything but that when you when you peel back the layers some of the musicianship some of these guys Donald is an, a ripper He's an incredible drummer. What his brother uh, does with his voice, like I said in the episode, it's like a percussive instrument. Uh, Here I am watching videos of them from you know recently. Uh, He can still scream like that. I I don't know how he could do that. And I after I would lose my voice after one song. The the talent is 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 immense.
3: Yeah, when I found out that we were having obituary on here, and I can't say that I came from metal at all, but I have some friends that are metalheads, and when I told. Uh, my friends that like metal that we are having obituary and not only having obituary, but talking about slowly rewrought, they were like, wow, that's like a classic. That's like a legendary song and album. And I'm not as familiar, but I know that people are going to be excited about this episode if they are into metal. And dude, I just learned recently. I learned from, I have friends that play in metal bands. I just recently learned that death metal for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah. It originated In Florida, like that is a... Florida thing, and I I didn't know that I did I guess I got death metal and black metal mixed up. It's completely different thing.
0: It is, you know, the it, it does have a crossover again. Like some of the bands I mentioned with the the punks, the D.R.I.s and the Chromags uh, were kind of crossing over into metal territory. And then of course you had bands like Venom and, and Celtic Frost. Uh, Venom was from England. Celtic Frost was from uh, from Germany. And these bands uh, were were I guess at the time considered black metal, but it, it had a lot of the same. Uh, of the same grooves a lot of the same uh imagery lyric lyrics wise and uh so there was a crossover but as far as death metal goes yeah i'd say tampa as we said in the episode it is the capital the epicenter of death metal uh, dude, it was so funny. <laughs> I think it was one of the funniest moments
3: on Chris makes a podcast <laughs> when you were reading the lyrics that people put online yeah. when there are no lyrics to this. And every time you said something about love, I was over here laughing out loud, being like, there's no way they're singing the word love. And yeah, that wasn't right. Uh, there was no li- like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like John said, no lesions, no love in these lyrics.
0: No, and it, and like I said, it just totally makes sense now. And I kind of uh, gave Scott a, a, a which. He's an amazing legendary producer, Scott Burns, but I gave him a little too much credit too early, you know, didn't realize this was like his his first production that got him on the map. Uh, You know, he really made a name for himself down there. He was the go to producer. Uh, But it makes sense now that he basically came from the patch bay as a second engineer uh, into the producer's seat. He, He had so many other things to worry about with this recording and getting it right than the lyrics, because now you come to a producer, like, what are you singing? I don't know. It's just off the cuff. You'd be like, what? And if there is one genre that you can get away with this, it would be death metal.
3: <laughs> right. And you said it in the episode that I think in metal, a lot of times that whether it's screams or it's guttural growls or whatever it is, the way that that particular band uses vocals there is a percussive element to it. And as far as not having lyrics necessarily, it's because you can use your voice as an instrument. And it's more of a feeling than it is a sort of poetry like it is in pop music or, you know, in in most music, there's a certain poetic level to it. But I think in metal, a lot of times it is more of a guttural thing and a, and a percussive thing uh, for lack of a better way to put it
0: yeah a lot of times rappers will say nonsense words or, or noises uh, of course Michael Jackson had his little isms that he did and and uh, you know death metal a lot of the grunts and the growls they're just they're they're indiscernible lyrics wise but they they add to the song and, and to, to the emotion and what what the band's trying to get across and again uh, the bands that did it well, and there, there's a ton of death metal bands. You got to you got to comb through them, but uh, Obituaries at the they're the cream of the crop. They're they're right there at the top. Uh, that's why they're getting calls to do Slayer tours. They're worth tickets, you know, in 2021 uh, out with Black Label Society. They're worth tickets because they're a great band. They were part of creating an entire type of
3: music, and then became the best at it. And you know, it's not like they were trying to be. Uh, mainstream successful, they knew who their their fans were, and the fans came to them and what they were doing rather than trying to appeal
0: to fans of other things. Does that make sense? Am I yeah, absolutely. Sense? You know, and, and something that I had, I had talked to you about, Chris, that I think is funny, I didn't bring up to to, to Donald. I meant to. But when I met him on the Warp Tour in 2003 when he was drumming for Andrew WK, I remember the story of him telling me that, you know, when Andrew uh, basically did that first record by himself and his producer, uh, basically said, hey, um, you know, the label's like, you got to go out and tour this. You need a band. And Andrew put together his band with a bunch of Florida death metal guys. And uh, the label, like, you know they walk into the label with the obituary guys and and this is my band they're like what these long-haired bearded guys I, we, we want to like get promo pictures this is your band and that's no knock against <laughs> what they look like but they were just like this is the last thing we, we we thought you'd put together Andrew and man the band just ripped they were so so good got to meet Donald as i said on on that tour and in and, and he was just uh i was uh, I was kind of starstruck, you know, for, for lack of a better term, I was just like, wow, this is the the drummer from obituary. I mean, they're, they are legends in Florida. They are. And growing up seeing them and just never ever expecting to be on tour with them. It was, it was really cool. You can't knock the musicianship when it comes to metal. Like that's one thing
3: about metal is that, you know, I'm sure these guys can go from playing the riffs and playing the sort of things they do to step into something like something more pop or something you know and and just be like oh you know i can completely destroy this this is this is like uh this is like nothing to me you know
0: oh yeah i mean their guitar player at the time alan west they were talking about james murphy uh all these guys just absolute absolute shredders and you know like i said that the the I call them lifers. I, I, I respect nothing more in this business than a band that can just go through all the changing times. You got to think of where music has gone from 1989 until now, and uh, they're still out there doing their thing, uh, being being who who they only can be, which is obituary. It's great. Yeah,
3: there's uh, something really cool about staying true to yourself and your music throughout every trend you see a lot of bands that will hop on to whatever trends next and a lot of artists like whatever's popular now and honestly if you're doing that by the time you do that thing that's popular now by the time you record and you're done that thing is already old you know so there's something to staying true to yourself and the
0: music you make well, speaking of staying true to yourself, Chris, uh, I think obituary has done a pretty damn good job of doing that over the years. Uh, you're not going to get a ballad, an acoustic ballad on an obituary record. It's not happening. No, never. We're not going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think so. You know, and uh, that, that's much respected. There's some bands that, uh, that that do their thing. They do it well. And uh, they're not going to differentiate the, that much from it. And their fans appreciate them for that.
3: Yeah, for sure, man. You know what else I appreciate about obituary? When I was doing, I don't know, I was making the ads for this episode and just preparing for this episode. I wasn't that familiar with them. But the cover of this album, of the Slowly We Rot album, I love it. It's like this zombie guy passed out on the ground. It says, Slowly We Rot, in kind of like green, like sort of (laughs) puke-like letters. (laughs) Like, it is just so badass. You know, I can't say I'm like... A huge death metal guy, but like I want that T-shirt.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it, this. This show has been just so so cool for me because you know a lot of the people I've had in here have been my friends, and I've known Don, uh, Donald and John forever. And just to get them to sit in and, and uh, what a, what a hilarious episode I had, <laughs> genuine laughs. Yeah, that was great, man, for sure. So this is the third episode of the month of Halloween month here. At Kristen makes a podcast. We got one more uh, coming up for you that we're really excited about. In the meantime, give me a follow on Instagram at less than Chris D if you can. And if you can, join our Facebook group. Our Facebook
3: group is a lot of fun, regardless of what you think about Facebook. I feel like I'm always saying, I'm always assuming people don't like Facebook. It's totally fine if you put pictures of your cats on there and whatever. It sometimes gets a little weird. And regardless of what you think about Mark Zuckerberg, our Facebook group for Krista Makes a Podcast is a fun place.
0: That's right. I want to thank this week's guests, yes, plural, guests, Donald Tardy and John Tardy from Obituary, for sitting in with us, and we'll see you next week.
3: Buying Up All Your Grey, the new EP from PAC is now streaming on Spotify, Apple Music, and anywhere else you get your tunes. You right again, you right again, you right again. Featuring members of the Juliana Theory, Zayo, and Punchline, PAC brings decades of indie, hardcore, and alternative influence to their debut release. Limited edition screen printed vinyl available now at mindovermatterrecords.com. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday out now through Sound Talent Media.
1: Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupatin. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last 5 seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like The Lumineers, Andy DiFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Mo, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask?